Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst. Here we are, end of the seventh Sunday of the NFL season. And it felt like more games than usual came down to the wire today. Have you been able to catch your breath from, you know, sort of a chaotic Sunday? Yeah, actually, it's been a fun Sunday. It was nice to see some of the teams that have been a little bit, um, you know, maybe flat to start the season. Like, in particular, the team that just jumps to mind right away is New England. You know, when people are ready to throw dirt on them, I think it's nice to see Mac Jones talk about post-game about the fact that Bill O'Brien adjusted some of his play calling to fit a little bit of the style that he played when he was at Alabama in terms of play call. It's nice to see Bill get his 300th win. It's nice to see New England go ahead and rise up against a division opponent and basically put them down after that division opponent just a couple weeks ago was being considered as a team that may run away with the East. That's the beauty of the NFL, right? It's reality TV every Sunday uh-huh. that you don't quite know which way it's going to go, and that's why... That's why we love it like we do. Yeah, you mentioned Mac Jones in the post-game. I want to talk about a different post-game situation that caught my attention. Not one of the blockbuster games. Commanders-Giants were down a touchdown of Washington's final possession. Quarterback Sam Howell was unable to convert on fourth and five at the seven, right? Giants hung on to win 14 to seven. Mm -hmm. And after the loss, though, uh, Commanders defensive lineman Jonathan Allen was not shy in expressing... Uh, his frustration. What's the evaluation like after a loss like that? They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Gotta be better. Does it get frustrating when that... Yes, it does. I'm f***ing tired of this shit. I'm tired of this bull. It's been seven f***ing years of the same shit. Tired of this shit. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play f***ing Philadelphia. Uh, so in your playing career, <laughs> Lewis, did you ever have a moment where you got close enough to giving a rant similar to what we heard um yeah i think there was there was definitely times truth be told <laughs> on the field uh-huh. i was about as foul mouthed as they come <laughs> uh-huh. i mean I, I i was super super emotional as a player mm. the emotional part of the game the intimidation part of the game was the part that i loved the most i mean a lot of that has been has been legislated out of the game now. And I know we're talking about on the field now as opposed to off the field, right. you know, with Jonathan. I think you definitely don't, you you have to, you have to kind of, you have to temper those kind of things because otherwise you wind up getting yourself talked about, you know, in the first block of a podcast when you kind of <laughs> lose your composure. Uh-huh. But that's what the game is, man. I mean, mm. it, it really is. I think every fan should have the opportunity to be down on the field during the course of a game. Like, if they could just be on the sidelines, let alone if they could somehow be, like, hover above the game, like, uh-huh. right there, the stuff you would hear, oh, man, it would make for the podcast of all podcasts. <laughs> As the calendar turns to late October, Sundays can be spent in a number of ways. Fall pastimes like apple picking or hay rides come to mind for some people, I guess. But if there was ever a Sunday to pass on the fall activities in favor of lounging on your couch and watching football all day, it was this Sunday. Week 7 in the NFL saw the Eagles soar to victory over the Dolphins, an upset in the AFC East that might not be as surprising as you think, and a statement win from the Ravens over the Lions. So today... Lewis Riddick joins us for our favorite fall tradition, talking football. 
and he helps us put an exclamation point on this week's NFL action. I'm David Dennis Jr. It's Monday, October 23rd. This is ESPN Daily. All right, Lewis, on to the main event, Dolphins at Eagles. So many storylines at play in this one. Both teams were 5-1. and one. You got a pair of star quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and we know there's a rivalry that stretches back their share time in Alabama, quarterback controversy there. This is their first NFL meeting. And your experience, before we get to that, you know, the game itself, did you find playing against a former teammate like that to be a big deal or is that sort of a media type of deal? It's a big deal simply because, look, I don't know if necessarily Tua and Jalen have a rivalry. Mm. And I don't know if it's necessarily one that's, you know, that that's combative simply because, I mean, these guys, are, yeah, they're fighting for playing time. And obviously the situation in the national championship game is something that everyone remembers and how Tua came in and rescued Alabama. But you saw how Jalen was during that game and you, and you see what kind of person Jalen is. He was always very supportive. But I will say this. When you play against other teammates, um, people who you cared about, people who you fought for a common goal with, yeah, it's natural to to want to mm. beat them, go head to head with them, compare compare, you know, how you're playing versus how they're playing. Of course, of course, there's a heightened sense of competitive drive. But you know, the the thing that I want to emphasize about these two dudes is like. They come from like the best of backgrounds as far as their college upbringing at Alabama with Nick. Mm. And both of these guys handled it so damn well when they were there, just like they handle everything good now. Mm. And that, that, that's kind of like the thing that when you watch them battling back and forth tonight, it was actually pretty cool, man. It's just cool to see those two guys come from the situation that they come from, come from the school that they come from, just be out there playing at the highest level I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff, man. And we need to lean into that kind of stuff as much as possible. Yeah, you were talking about that offensive line uh, the the Dolphins had, you know, injuries and things like that. And a lot had been made about the speed of that Dolphins offense. But really, the Eagles were able to take a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and hang on for the win, 31-17. to They were all over Miami all night. They were reading all the trick plays. They were stopping receivers. Uh, and they were getting to it pretty quickly. What do you make of the Eagles' defensive strategy in this game? Well, I think what they did was they just they played to their strength. And that's what they're going to do regardless of who they play. Mm-hmm. All right. So they're, they are built front to back, quite honestly, on both sides of the ball. That's always been their strategy since Jeffrey Lurie bought the team. They draft depth along both front front lines. And as they as you move back to the second level and third level of their defense in particular, it gets substantially weaker in terms of the amount of people that they can just overwhelm you with. Mm. And so they knew that in order to have any chance really slowing down Tua and slowing down this offense and how fast it is, you have to really disrupt the quarterback. Mm. And the way you disrupt the quarterback is overwhelming the offensive line. In the end, what wound up happening is if you aren't strong along the offensive and defensive line, what winds up happening is eventually it's going to expose you, especially as the game gets into hour two, hour three of the game. And that's what Philly really, quite honestly, relied on last year. It's what they're going to rely on this year. And until Miami is able to get all their reinforcements back on offense, on the offensive line, and quite honestly, on the defensive side, they need Xavier Howard. They need Jalen Ramsey to come back. Then they're going to run into this kind of thing when they go up against the elite teams. Well, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins have been the darlings of the NFL so far because of their high-power offense. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of games they've dominated have been against bad teams, right? They, but they've been held in check 
by the Eagles and the Bills. Of course, these are road games, so they're you know you got to make allowances for that. But what are the real Dolphins that we're seeing? Are we seeing is it the seventy point team that blasted Denver, or the ones we saw on Sunday night? Like what are we seeing from this squad? Yeah, I mean the truth always lies somewhere in the middle because mm-hmm. Denver we know has a lot of work to do, especially defensively. We also know that Miami was working a little bit, you know, undermanned tonight. So they're not, and, and honestly, they didn't look that bad offensively. They just what, what wound up happening was they couldn't run the ball at all because they couldn't capture the line of scrimmage at all. And if you make this team strictly, strictly one dimensional, when you go up against any of the best teams in the NFL, you're going to be at a disadvantage because if all a team has to do is pin their ears back and get after your quarterback, especially a team that can roll seven, eight deep on the defensive line, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So Miami's going to be there in the end. So yeah, you talk about a lot of this um, this line play, that Eagles offensive line grinded down that uh, Miami defensive line. And one of the things that has been one of the conversations of the season is the brotherly shove, as they call it, right, from the Eagles um, when they're on fourth and short. They're a team that's most associated with this play. They push a quarterback um, across the uh, first down marker from behind. There's been a ton of controversy about it. There have been calls to rewrite the rules and, you know, get it out the game. Where do you stand on, on this play? Yeah, I, I've never been a big fan of it. Uh-huh. I understand, like most people, their defenses. Well, you know, if you don't like it, just stop it. Well, okay, well, I mean, if I'm... And not every team is good at it, and I understand that too. Philadelphia has just perfected it. Look, I mean... When you have Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, you have, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts, who's a five, 600-pound squatter. I mean, I get it. Mm. These guys have a tactical advantage because they're just stronger. But I just don't like the spirit of getting people behind one another on offense so you can just kind of push them. For- like, that just seems a little bit weird to me. It seems a little Pop Warner-ish to me. The play looks kind of amateurish to me, you know. Um... But there's some people who say, well, you know what? It doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it with me. And most of those people are people who are fans of the Philadelphia Eagles and who just <laughs> like scoring and who like who like offensive play. But that that's cool. That's cool. You can like it. I, I just don't. And I hope, quite honestly, they do uh, get rid of it. Up next, an AFC East upset. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, turning now to Bill's Patriots. Lewis, Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick earned his 300th regular season win as the Patriots upset the Bills 29-25 in a close one with Mike Gesicki scoring the game-winning touchdown with 12 seconds left. A second and goal to go from the left hash one. Andrews over the football to snap it back. Jones has it. Looks to his right. Throws it to the right. Got it! Touchdown! He's got it! Patriots! But I want to ask you about the Bills. 
So they've been dealing with injuries on defense and struggling offensively for the past three weeks. An ugly loss to Jacksonville in London, an ugly, low-scoring win last week versus the Giants, and now the offense struggles in the loss to the Pats. Lewis, if you're Buffalo, is it time to panic? No, I'm not simply because, look, I mean, this quarterback, I mean, Josh Allen knows this offense very well. Um, it's still the same system with some tweaks that was in place when Brian Dayball was there. Now that Ken Dorsey is running it. Look, he understands exactly what he has mm. his wide receiver core, namely Stephon Diggs. Are there some kinks that they need to iron out? There's no question about it. Does he still need to somehow make sure that they incorporate Gabe Davis? Of course. Uh, does James Cook give them a nice, nice uh, home run hitter at running back? Of course it does. Um, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid. I mean, they've got weapons all over. But what's interesting about the NFL and about, off and about offense in particular, offense is about chemistry, timing, rhythm, repeatability in terms of you executing the fundamentals of the game with precision over and over and over again. And right now, for some reason, they aren't doing that. They aren't. And it's not because all of a sudden Josh Allen stinks or Stefan Diggs doesn't want to play or James. I mean, it's none of that. There's always, you know, players have to lock in and players have to lock in at a high clip in terms of consistency. Coaches have to put make good calls, third down, red area, two-minute situations. Coaches have to give players the tools with which to go ahead and execute when things aren't quite exactly like maybe you foresaw them. And, and, and I know this sounds a lot like, well, yeah, that's a, well, that's a lot of different things that have to happen. Well, yeah, a lot of different things do have to happen in order for you to like perform at a consistent level. Buffalo has shown that they can do that. They've shown they can do that this year. It's just not consistent right now. They have to find some solutions and find them quickly. You only get 17 cracks at it in the NFL. So they got to get it figured out and get it figured out fast. But I have full confidence that they'll play better football in the latter half of the uh, regular season. Let's talk about the team that actually beat Buffalo. It was the Patriots, right? Um, we learned this on Sunday. Uh, they extended Bill Belichick's contract. Uh, quieted sort of the noise that he might be on the chopping block this season, which is something that, again, cannot believe that we were even discussing um, with somebody like Belichick. Um, you played for him um, in Cleveland, uh, so you know more you know more than most people, never to count him out. And against Buffalo, uh, the Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, looked better than mm -hmm. he has all year. Do you think Bill mm -hmm. Belichick and this team have turned some sort of corner here? Um... It all, it all depends what you mean by turn to corner. Mm -hmm. um, do I think that they can rise up and play much more efficient football uh, on a more consistent basis? Yeah, maybe they have turned the corner, especially offensively. Maybe they have. Maybe they will be able to do some of the things like they did today on a more consistent basis. Maybe Mac will feel more comfortable like he did today on a more consistent basis going forward. You know, momentum's an interesting thing. Uh, momentum obviously plays into what your mindset is, your level of confidence in, is. And has Mac Jones looked confident? Has Mac Jones looked like someone out there who knows that his receivers are going to win one-on-one, -on -one, who knows that he's going to be protected, that he's going to have time? No, he doesn't. Does he look like someone, quite, quite honestly, right now, who up until this week looked beaten and battered and like somebody who was just looking for a way to get the hell off the field? Yeah, many times he did. And so hopefully today gives them some confidence because, again, this is a Buffalo team that curb-stomped Miami 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like all, all of these teams, what, I, what I'm saying is all these teams can rise up and do it some of the time. The, the key in the NFL is about consistency. And I can just tell you this. This is what Bill Belichick used to say to us when I was in Cleveland. Like, he will take lesser performance on a relative basis that he can count on with consistency other than guys who are here one week, here the next week, here one week, here the next week. Because that ultimately winds up getting you at 500 or sub-500 and on the outside looking in, in the playoffs. Whereas nice, steady, above-average performance, you know, will get you somewhere like... 12 and 5, 11 and 6 in the playoffs and then having a chance to go ahead and do what you want to do in the postseason where it's single elimination. That's what he strives for. So I don't know if they'll be able to get there. I just don't know if they're talented enough to get there relative to the gauntlet that they have to run in their own division and in the conference overall. But I think they will play better from here on out that you've, than you've seen previous. They want to do their things. They want to do the things that they feel as though they can execute the best and have the most confidence in. Maybe they found something. After the break, how Lamar tamed the Lions. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So let's continue to make our way down the eastern seaboard. Detroit Lions paid a visit to Baltimore and the Ravens. Uh-huh. This one was supposed to be a shootout. Jared Goff versus Lamar Jackson. But very quickly, this turned um, into an embarrassing loss uh, for the Lions. Domination by Baltimore and the Ravens. Uh, coming up with the win, 38-6 to over Detroit. There's been a lot uh, up and down for the Ravens this season, but how did Baltimore manage to put it all together on Sunday? I think up until this point, I'm sure that John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, wanted it to look like this previous to today. And we're just talking about from an offensive perspective. Mm -hmm. And that they were practicing probably... 
in the same way up until this point, meeting structure the same way, talking about the game the same way as they were up until this point. But for some reason today, everybody was locked in. Mm -hmm. Everybody was executing at a high level. If we knew the keys to getting guys to do those kind of things on a regular basis, every team would be sitting there, you know, we, we'd be talking about every team as being a, you know, a 13 and four type team, mm -hmm. you know, and it's weird for me to like add up 17 games instead of 16. I'm not used to doing that. But yeah, every, every team would be like that. Today, what wound up happening was the passing game was clicking. Lamar was on fire. Mm -hmm. Receivers were catching the ball. They weren't dropping it. Routes looked crisp. The timing of the drops along with where the breaks were happening with the routes were open. Guys were beating people. The offensive line was capturing the line of scrimmage. Justice and, and um, you know, Lamar, Gus Edwards, these guys were running the rock with ferocity, and they were basically whipping Detroit in every single phase. It looked like numerous times defensive backs, linebackers for Detroit were constantly being knocked backwards mm -hmm. at the point of attack when ball carriers were being put on the ground. And when that kind of thing, when you, when you can just look with your eyes, you know, forget about the X's and O's. When you see that there's physical domination happening, and then on top of it, the execution is crisp. It's on point. The ball is where it needs to be offensively as far as the passing game is concerned. You're going to have a long day. And then defensively, it was really more, it was the same thing. Jared never looked comfortable. Jared Goff for, for Detroit. The passing game never got clicking as far as being able to execute consistently, get down inside the red area and score. The running game sputtered a little bit. They were harassing him. The pass rush was there. The coverage was there. If Baltimore can put together games like that, they'll be a Final Four team too. Hell, they'll be a Final Two team. Mm -hmm. They'll be playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So yeah, this is what everyone, I think, in Maryland had envisioned when Todd Munkin came there. This is what they had envisioned when they thought of a healthy Rashad Bateman, a healthy OBJ, uh, a healthy Zay Flowers, the backs hitting the holes the way they are, Lamar being the dual run pass threat. This is what they had envisioned, what they saw today. For Detroit, you know what? I know there's going to be people who say, well, the only team they really beat was a beat-up uh, Kansas City team in the opener, and that doesn't really count. Mm. Today they showed their true colors. No, I don't believe that, and you shouldn't either. They'll bounce back. They got smacked in the mouth today. It happens to the best teams. It does. Even the teams that go on Super Bowl runs, at some point during the season, they have a game like this. They'll reset now. They'll recalibrate, and Detroit will come out firing. So, but, uh, but if you're a Baltimore and you're a Baltimore fan, you've got to be happy. For sure. Because now it looks like the light came on. So, yeah. So, what exactly? I mean, you mentioned sort of, you know, you have games like this. But what is this what's going on with Detroit? Were they smelling themselves a little too much? Everybody's starting to be on the bandwagon? Is this a, a bigger picture? What's going on? That's a great question. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Dan Campbell, having played the game as long as he did and having come up in the league around the coaches that he did, namely a guy like Bill Parcells, he knows better than to let his team feel as though that they have arrived and they've accomplished anything when they haven't. I mean, you haven't done anything yet. We're not even at the halfway point. So it doesn't, you know, there, there would be no reason to be a little bit too high on yourself and feeling as though that you could just roll your helmet out there and expect a team like Baltimore in particular with the kind of mentality that they play with to, to just kind of like roll over for you. That's not what was going to happen. But I think what happens is, again, the NFL is on a razor thin edge. This isn't college where mm. you have one NIL-loaded P5 team going up against some FCS team. There are no gimmies in the NFL. There's none. And if you aren't on your game, for whatever reason it is, 
And a lot of times, it's up here in your head. Mm. And when you go into Baltimore, Baltimore has been being talked about as a team that right now isn't really living up to their potential. Um, they're a highly motivated football team that has a long history of winning. They have a former MVP, a quarterback. They have a Super Bowl winning head coach. They're a team that has one of the best, one of the strongest front offices, one of the most stable ownership groups, have a great leadership on both sides of the ball. You knew it was just a matter of time mm-hmm. until they put together a performance like this. But let's not ever forget the psychological factor. See, here's what's interesting. Like, you know, NFL football, we always think that in general, when I say we, I mean everybody who's a fan of the game and watches it, thinks that just because these guys are highly paid professionals, that every single game, that they have the same motivation and feel the same about the game and feel the same degree of being locked in as the next week. And it's just not the case. And that every team is just, you know, as Mike Tomley calls it, every team's just nameless gray faces. And that's not true. That's not true. These guys are highly emotional and highly on razor's edge as well. And certain things get them up more so for a game than other things. You don't think that Baltimore given what people were saying about them and how they looked so inconsistent and that maybe Todd Munkin wasn't like this this guy who was going to take them over the top like everyone thought they were going to be and he was going to be the answer to Greg Roman. You think that that didn't motivate him, motivate them as players? You think that they didn't get tired of hearing about Detroit all of a sudden being this darling team of the year? Hell, I picked Detroit to be a final, final two team in the NFC this year. Mm. And I'm not backing off of that. They hear that kind of stuff. So now all of a sudden... Detroit is getting team's best shot. Detroit. <laughs> That's exactly what the league wants, though. Uh-huh. The league wants it like this, to where any team can beat any team and beat them badly on any given Sunday. Do you think if Miami played Denver again, that it would be the same thing like it was the first time? I highly doubt it. But that's how the league is. Because the thing we need to remember is, it's not just about X's and O's and matchups, although that's a big, big, big part of it. The psychological part of the equation is huge. It's huge. And Detroit isn't sneaking up on anybody anymore. Well, so, you know, you have Detroit as your as your final two in the NFC, which means you have to have a, a good bit of faith in Jared Goff, right? And there's yeah. always this, this conversation about Jared Goff, and there's, you know, he does well, you know, part of the season, and people, you know, there's a lot of backlash when he starts to, you know— Disappointed you know a little what? bit. Let, let me say this. Let's, let yeah. me say this though about Jared Goff. Okay, remember now. This this is a guy who last year mm. and this year, mm. this guy was a top five, top six passer in the NFL by many different advanced metrics. If you want to use QBR, completion percentage over expectation, you know yards per attempt, you know, and then if you want to really break up QBR into third down QBR outside the pocket QBR red zone, he. This is a guy who was like a, at the top. Mm. So. It, This was not a flash in the pan since he's been in Detroit. He's played very, very, very consistent football. See, what happens is with Jared Goff is he comes to Detroit in a situation where the Rams basically felt as though they couldn't consistently get over the top with him at quarterback and they needed someone else. In comes Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl. So automatically people are are saying, well, that confirms to me that Jared Goff is just a mid-quarterback. He's just a mid-tier quarterback. Although he took him to a Super Bowl. Mm. He took the Rams to a Super Bowl, and they were maybe a pass play or two away from beating the Patriots. That's what they were. Mm. Great defensive plays on the part of the Patriots kept the Rams from beating them in that Super Bowl. So this guy can play now. He can play. So it's not surprising what he's doing. 
It's not. People, there's some people, though, who are never going to believe that when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, that he's going to be able to pull it out and do the kind of things that the elite of the elite do. I beg to differ. I don't, I don't think that's the case. And I'm not swayed by what happened today. I think this football team is going to be there in the end. And I think a big part of that is going to be because of the fact that Jared Goff is much tougher mentally than you think. All right, Lewis, looking around the league so far this year, with the exception of the, the Dolphins' 70-point game we've discussed, we haven't seen that many high-scoring games. Offense mm -hmm. in general seems to be trending down a little bit. Uh, from your viewpoint, what's playing into this and why are we seeing as many points being scored? You have to give credit to the improvement in defensive play. You have to give uh, credit to the improvement in pass rush, uh, improvement to the ability for of teams to play good situational football, third down and red zone in particular, and really pass defense. Secondaries and pass rush now have kind of adapted to the way the game is legislated now, to the way pass interference is, is called now. You're seeing better and better and better athletes rushing the passer now than you ever have before. Guys who are absolute freaks. We just saw tonight, you see the kind of players that the Philadelphia Eagles have up front. Mm. You want to slow down teams, you want to slow down high-scoring offenses, get more guys like that. They have them. Look at how much better Kansas City is playing defensively this year. And why is it primarily? Because all those young guys that they drafted in the secondary... Mm -hmm. have now become second-year veterans, third-year veterans who are very, very good at playing man-covered, getting their hands on football, getting off the field on third down. And Chris Jones is a game wrecker. Now that they got Charles Omenahu back, he's a guy who, who is going to help Chris Jones form one of the best one-two pass rushing punches in the NFL. George Karloff, this has become a very good situational pass. Those, those are the reasons why offenses now are starting to kind of I don't want to say tick down because they're not, because there's some really good players on offense too. And mm. the league is just going to get better and better there too. But I think up front on the defensive line, that is why. The pressure that they're able to exert on quarterbacks now, along with improved coverage, is going to kind of get scoring to be a little bit less explosive on a regular basis than maybe we've seen it before. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, thanks, Lewis Reddick, for stopping by, taking time out of your uh, uh, happy tight end day. I think as a national <laughs> holiday, I think we're not supposed yeah, to work today, or like we're supposed to be grilling or something today. So yeah. thanks for taking time out of this uh, special holiday to come break down some football with me. Of course, of course, anytime. Thank you for having me. I'm David Dennis Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.